evidence and answers. While many may recognize that we are living in the last days as described in scripture, the lingering question that remains is, what are we supposed to do? Are we living with our eyes and hearts open to God's leading? Or are we slowly being conditioned by the world around us? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on Evidence and Answers, Pat will be interviewing Mark Hitchcock and discussing the days that we live in. What is this coming apostasy and what can we do? If you're unable to hear this entire broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Listen as Pat interviews Mark Hitchcock in the conclusion to the coming apostasy. Then you've run into trouble because then we no longer kind of have a, what I call a plumb line or you know an objective standard to measure the experience by. So both of those things are happening, and I think they're both dangerous. The liberals are taking the Bible away from us. You know, the experiential folks are taking us away from the Bible, and both of those are, are, are dangerous in our time. Yes, let's look at that second one again, uh, experience. You know, there are some who will focus on visions and dreams, and, and they're you know, personal experience that really overshadows the truth of, you know, what Scripture teaches. But how should we measure our experience that we receive, whether how compelling it may be? Well, again, we have to do it from the Bible. You have to measure it by the Bible. It's kind of like, you know, the the whole phenomenon out there of people claiming to, you know, be dead and go to heaven, you know, and all of that and various things. And we have to measure these things by Scripture. Uh, because, again, you know, a lot of people will just tell me about some experience they had, but, you know, I don't know whether they had the experience or not, you know, really. I mean, you know, I, I have no idea if they had it. People can tell me that. But, again, the only way I know whether they had it or if they did have it whether it really fits in with the Bible or not, is does it really match up to the plumb line? Again, that I love that image of the Bible. You know, when you're building a building or building a wall or, or you, know, you, you hang a plumb line down there, you know, it's straight and it becomes the standard that you measure everything by. And, uh, you know, that's what we have to do. I mean, Paul, you remember, he even, uh, in uh, the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 17, he applauded the Bereans there, the, the Christians at Berea. And he said, you know, the noble Bereans, he said, they searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. And I love that because they they were even checking up on Paul, you know, to make sure what Paul said was right. And uh, Paul applauded that and commended that. So uh, we certainly want to be uh, Bereans today as well and uh, search the scriptures and, and measure everything uh, according to the Bible in our lives. Yes. Now, now, Mark, why is that experiential movement growing so quickly and becoming such a dominant thing in the church in the West? Well, I think, you know, people, you know, I think people today, their lives are a lot, there's a lot of chaos and turmoil in people's lives. You know, not that there hasn't always been, but I just think, you know, with uh, the, the, the destruction of the family that we've seen, there's a lot of chaos and confusion out there just about all kinds of things. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, again, if you, if, if someone is getting up on a Sunday and says, you know, turn in your Bible to the book of John, let's study this certain passage, and there's someone else in another church, you know, across the street, the guy gets up and says, man, I had a dream last night, and here's what God told me. 
there's a lot of people that will say, well, I'd like to go hear what the guy that just heard from God last night has to say, you know, rather than the guy that is going to tell me what God said 2,000 years ago. So I think there's just a something within human nature. You know, we like to have, you know, what's new and fresh and something that's exciting and all of that. But, but it, it's sad because the Bible is living and active. You know, the Bible is, is fresh and exciting as well. Yeah. Um, you, know, you read the Bible. I mean, you, you pick up the Bible and read words written, you know, 2,000 years ago, or in some cases in the Old Testament, you know, we're reading things that were written, uh, you know, 3,000 years ago. And uh, yet we read it and it's fresh and it's real and it, it touches our hearts and our lives and it finds us where we are. Yeah. People love to hear about experiences. And again, we all do have experiences with the Bible, with Scripture, um, how God teaches us and ministers to us and takes care of us in our lives that we want to share. But we don't want to go to those experiences and measure the Bible by them. We want to measure the experiences from the Bible. Yeah. Now, Mark, there have always been apostates and apostate movements in church history. Sure. What, what makes the apostasy we're seeing now different? Well, I, you know, again, I've not lived in other times in history. I think we always have to be careful because there's always the danger for all of us to accentuate the the time we live in, you know, above over any other time for what's happening. Because, again, it's the only time we've lived. But I think a couple of things that make apostasy today uh, more rampant is, one, just the technology that's out there. I mean, you, you know, you think, yeah. uh, you know, right now you and I are talking on, on the phone, you know, and, and uh, we're far away. And this this broadcast, you know, this message we're giving will be taken to a lot of places. So what we have today with technology is a wonderful vehicle to get out the truth. But it's also a vehicle for the enemy to come and undermine the truth and disseminate his error. So it's a double-edged sword. And so many, many people today are being influenced by false teaching that never would have heard it in the past and never been influenced by it. So I think that's one one of the issues. Um, I also believe that you know Satan doesn't know when the Lord's coming back. That's not been revealed to him nor to any of us. But I do think that Satan also, I mean, he, he, he can look at the signs of the times better than we can. I certainly think he knows that, uh, you know, we may be on the home stretch of this church age. And so, you know, it seems to me that there's an acceleration of satanic deception that's taking place in our world today. I mean, some of the things that have just happened in the last 20 years in our culture, I mean, they're, they're stunning to me. Yeah, and the, 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 rapidi- the rapidity yeah. with which they happen. I mean, there has to be something supernatural behind it. Yeah, talk about some of those uh, ideologies that you feel that you've seen invade the culture and inside the church. Well, I, you know, one of them, and this is always an easy one to pick on. I know, and some people might, you know, just you know, not like us doing that. But you know, same-sex marriage. I mean, you know, we have doctrinal apostasy. That is one thing where people move away from the scriptures, uh, they deny the inspiration, the inerrancy of the Bible, and all of that. So there's doctrinal apostasy, but there's also moral apostasy. There's a moral a landslide morally away from and defecting from the truth. And I'm going to be 58 years old here in a few months, and my entire life growing up, you know, there was never any issue with the worst sinners that I ever knew about whether same-sex relationships were wrong. Everybody believed that. I mean, I didn't know anyone who didn't believe that. And we went from there to really in the last 20 years to now, if you say that those relationships are wrong, you're considered a pariah and a bigot and all of that. So, I mean, it, it switched so suddenly from one extreme to the other 
that, I mean, you just kind of blinked your eyes and you woke up and you said, how could, how could this have happened? Yeah. Um, you know, I was speaking uh, just a few years ago. I said, when a culture redefines marriage, I mean, that's God's oldest institution here. We've really gotten to the bottom. Sure. But, but I was wrong. Now right, we've got this yeah. whole transgender issue yeah, where yeah, we can exactly. no longer define what is a man or what is a woman. Yeah. And now you're attacking the very image of God. Right. But I've never known, you know, in history where we have not been able to define what is a man or what is a woman, this whole transgender issue. No, that's right. But what's happened is, though, Ray Stedman, years ago, an old preacher, wonderful pastor of, of Peninsula Bible Church in Palo Alto, California, in his commentary on Romans, he says, you know, when people lose God, they lose themselves. And he has that statement in his chapter on Romans 1, where you just have the chaos. And people, you know, we, we've lost God as a, as a culture and really in our world today. And so we've lost ourselves. And what you end up then with is just really mass confusion, you know, on, on all kinds of things that before uh, were settled. And uh, part of the problem is, of course, too, is you've we've left the Bible, as our, again, as that plumb line. And we've just kind of launched off into this sea of subjectivity. And so people, you know, even within denominations, and, and certainly churches, but entire denominations now, you know, they don't believe that what the Bible says is true. They'll say, well, that was true, you know, 2,000 years ago, but times have changed, and, uh, you know, we no longer interpret the Bible that way anymore. You know, this was written for an ancient time period. But they're selective in those things that they interpret that way. You know, they would never interpret that stealing's no longer wrong or, yeah. uh, you know, committing murder. So they, they just pick a few things that they think are more cultural, and they say, well, those are no longer longer absolutes with God, you know, those have changed over time. And so again, what we do is we basically substitute our own wisdom, substitute our own knowledge for that of God, and we put ourselves above the Bible rather than underneath the Bible. And that's how we end up where we are basically as a culture today. Yeah, you know, Mark, uh, in that whole gay marriage uh, debate, a bunch of churches came together to stand against that bill redefining marriage. But at the same time, about half the churches here in our state joined together in support of gay marriage. Right. So what you state is correct in your book. You, you state the unfortunate reality today is that the world and the church are often indistinguishable. Right. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, I think, you know, in times past, you know, with the church and with Christians, you know, there was a there was a real persecution against Christians, you know, because they believed something that was very contrary to the world. I think what happens, though, I mean, we're all everyone's like this. Every person wants to be liked by other people and be popular with other people. You know, no one wants to be considered uh, stupid or, or foolish or bigoted or narrow minded. And uh, I think in our culture today, what's happened is um, there's there's a, a lack of, uh, of of courage for people to stand up and say, you know what, I think this is wrong. It's easier to just capitulate and kind of go along with the culture. Um, I think just the whole bent of our culture in general has been towards this kind of a of a tolerance and a compromise. And again, there, there you know, there's a good kind of compromise. We all want to be compromisers on on certain things. You know, you don't want to live with somebody that'll never compromise on anything or, or or be tolerant. But when we come to the truth of the Bible and we say, you know, these things really uh, are not you know put in stone. They're not stated by God for all time. That's when you begin to move. Really, I mean, I hate to keep saying this. I kind of sound like I'm repeating myself. And you go back to the Garden of Eden, the very first words of Satan's mouth were, has God said? 
and he put doubt on the scriptures. And really, the main reason, the main way we've ended up where we are, where the church and the world are indistinguishable, is the world has, has believed Satan, or the, the church has believed Satan's lie that what God said is not really not really true. And so, really, a lot of major denominations they don't believe that the Bible is a supernatural book. They don't believe it's inspired. They don't believe it's inerrant. When you leave the Bible as your kind of your moorings, then you know you're really kind of basically where the world is. Mark, you state that the Christianity is being attacked from the outside by opposing ideologies, you know, atheism and Islam and other worldviews. But the more insidious attack, you state, is coming from within. Tell us about this. Well, Vance Havner was an old Baptist preacher years ago, and he said, you know, the bigger problem is not the woodpeckers on the outside, it's the termites on the inside. And I like that old saying, because what apostasy and false teaching does is it eats away at the inside of the church. And, you know, it's really interesting when you read the letters to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, they're really the last words of Jesus to his church. What he tells several of the churches is, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand out of your out of its place. Now, what you see there is those churches had more to fear in Christ than through than Caesar. You know, Caesar was, didn't come and close the churches. Christ is the one who says, "I'll come and close the churches." So Jesus takes Jesus takes this this apostasy and this false teaching within the church seriously. And in fact, in, in in the letter to the church of Ephesus, he says, "You know, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate." And it was a false doctrine, a false teaching. So God actually hates false teaching, and the reason He hates it is, is it destroys people's lives and it separates them from Him forever. So false teaching within the church is really more dangerous, I think, than the opposition we are receiving outside of the church. Um, Again, you know, when churches have opposition on the outside, a lot of times they become stronger and they rally together and, you know, they're cohesive and and they're, they're, you know, pushed to prayer and to a repentance in their lives. But this uh, apostasy within just kind of slowly eats away at things. And I mean, I see it with young people today a lot. I mean, I see a lot of doubt and a lot of skepticism with young people today as they're kind of kind of buying into a lot of this false teaching that's out there. Yeah, you know, Mark, when we talk about uh, defending the true faith, we're talking about the essentials of the Christian faith. Right. Uh, there are some that go too far the other way and see apostasy on secondary issues. You know, right. For example, there are churches that have condemned me because I said, well, those who believe in a post-tribulation rapture, there are brothers in Christ. Sure. Or <laughs> I've been condemned because I said the NIV and the New American Standard and English Standard are great translations too, not just right. the King James. Sure. Or or old earth, young earth creation, uh, not right. theistic evolution, but old earth, young earth creation. I said, these guys are, are your allies, you know, and I've sure. been condemned for things like that. So we're talking about defending the essentials of the Christian faith, not on the secondary issues. So Christians have got to know what the essentials are that which we need to unite upon together. Yeah, that's right. I mean, a lot of people, you know, boy, they love to just, you know, cross every T and dot every I, you know, to the nth degree. And, and you know, everybody that doesn't agree with them, you know, they want to chastise them or call them heretics or apostates. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. Um, we're talking about the Bible, you know, the truth of the, what the, what we believe about the Scriptures. You know, if we deny the, the inspiration of the Bible, because the Bible says it's inspired, and the inerrancy of Scripture, we're talking about the person of Jesus. You know, really, when you think about it, most of the cults that are out there, and I know you know this well, but really, that's where the, those are the two areas they get off, is in the area of the Bible and Jesus. You know, they always have the Bible or, you know, or 
some other book, or they don't even use the Bible, and they have a wrong view of Jesus. So it's our bibliology, it's our Christology, it's our view of salvation, uh, that we believe that we're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Uh, we believe uh, in the Trinity. We believe that God is uh, the great uh, three-in-one, the great uh, one who is one in essence and three in person. Uh, we believe in um, the virgin-born Christ, the Messiah. Uh, we believe he was sinless, that he died an atoning death. He rose again on the third day. We believe he's coming back again. Uh, that's one of the essentials as well. We believe in a literal return of Jesus, a literal bodily resurrection in the future, um, a final judgment, um, a literal heaven and hell. Uh, those are the things we're talking about. The other things around all of those issues are things that, you know, internal debates that we can have as Christians. But those are the things that unite us as God's people. Yes. Now, Mark, how much do you think, you know, when it comes to compromising with the culture also comes from the consumerism mentality we have that, you know, pastors are under a lot of pressure that their church has to be growing and have, you know, the bells and whistles that the church down the road has and this whole church growth motivation that, you know, our church has to be attractive and it's got to you know, inviting and it's got to be constantly growing this pressure that a lot of pastors are under that would cause them maybe to water down the preaching of the word or move towards a more what culturally sensitive kind of message or more motivational kind of message. You think that plays a part in it as well? Well, it does. I mean, you have, you know, Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, you know, some of the very last words uh, Paul wrote there in his final chapter inspired by the spirit we have from Paul. It says, you know, the time will come, you know, when people are going to turn away from the truth, wanting to have their ears tickled, you know, and they're going to accumulate for themselves teachers according to their own desires. So, you know, people that are not really following the Lord and, and, and don't really want to have a deep walk with the Lord, they're not going to want to come and hear things a lot of times that, you know, that really convict them in their lives, uh, that really challenge them. And, you know, I think we're living in those days of, of the itching ears. You know, their, their ears are itching and they want to have them tickled and people just want to be kind of told things that make them feel good. And, uh, you know, people, a lot of people don't really want theology, don't really want doctrine to really know the deep truths of who God is. I mean, I think one of the biggest problems, this is my view, and I mean, I could certainly be wrong about this, but I think one of the biggest problem that we have in the churches today is the number of people that are in churches who aren't really believers in Christ. Um, I think there's lots of people that are in churches who profess some type of association with Jesus or connection with him, but they don't really have saving faith and trust in him. And I think that's a, a big problem. And tragically, many pastors are exacerbating this, you know, they're making it worse because they don't they don't really preach the gospel. You know, a really a gospel of that we're sinners, that we have to have a savior. Jesus is our savior. We have to, to turn to him and believe in him. So it's a, a big consumer mentality and pastors are really seduced into that, I think probably as much as anyone. You know, it's tragic when that takes place. Yes. You know, we need to encourage pastors to be faithful to the word. And that success is not measured by the size of your church or the number of people that attend or the kind of budget that you have. Right. No, that's right. I'm a pastor. I've been at our church 25 years, a little bit over 25 years, and wonderful church, wonderful group of people. And, you know, by God's grace, we've grown over the years, but it's not ever been anything meteoric, you know, or whatever. We just had, you know, some good steady growth. And I appreciate that from the Lord. But, yeah, you know, it's, you know, you sometimes things that people do to help their church grow are 
things that I, I don't think would be pleasing to the Lord and what he would want us to do. And we've all got to be careful about that. You know, I'm a pastor, and it's easy to throw stones at other pastors, and I try to be careful about that because I'm one as well. But some of the things that some churches do, I think, to attract people, I think is there's a lot of questions there. And we, we've got to be careful and make sure we don't kind of jump on every bandwagon that comes along. We want to make sure that we're really led by the Spirit and the leaders of the church really have the mind of Christ about what we're doing. And it's not just kind of, uh, you know, trying to, to follow the times and keep up with, you know, the church down the street or something like that. Yeah. You know, Mark, I think your church is a great example of there can be a church faithful to the word with strong Bible teaching that's growing and reaching people for Christ. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of them around. You know, it's been encouraging to me as I've, I've traveled around. I don't do as much of that now because I'm, I'm on faculty there at Dallas Seminary, and I teach there, too, and drove out, go down there every week. But it's been encouraging to me to go around and speak in churches. Now, I've been in some churches that are big churches that really do teach the Bible. You know, they really teach the scriptures. They, they're gospel-focused, and uh, that's encouraging. You know, we want to be careful. You know, we can get the, you know, the attitude, you know, kind of I call it the Elijah syndrome, you know, Elijah, you know, thought he was the only one left. And the Lord came and told him, you know, I have 7,000 who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. And so there are a lot of good churches around, a lot of really good pastors, and, and they need to be encouraged and be helped and be supported. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of good ones around, and we, need to, and we need to be grateful for those that exist. Yes, and some pastors are in a tough situation. You know, those who are preaching in the gay district of San Francisco, let's say, or sure. some of the districts here in Hawaii are very liberal. Well, they can't expect huge growth. Right. And, That's right. Yeah. And hopefully they, you know, they should be encouraged to remain faithful to the word. And even if they have to get a, you know, a, a part-time job to help support right. themselves, that's more important being faithful to the word than size and budgets and, and buildings. Yeah, that's right. I mean, at our church, you know, yeah, it's it's difficult. There, there's a, a seduction there for for pastors and things. And I, we just try at our church, the church I pastor. I'm a simple person. I like to keep things simple, and that's what we've tried to do. And I think, you know, at least for the people that go there, I think there's an appreciation for that. I think I think we can make uh, life and ministry and a lot of things too complicated. I mean, we look at Jesus. He had 12 men and went around teaching the scriptures and ministering to people. And I think sometimes we can make things way too complicated complicated, way too, 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 too layered and hierarchies and all of that. It's just, you know, I think ministry really, when you get down to the essence of it, it's really pretty simple. Well, Mark, you know, as we coming to a conclusion of this show, but also perhaps the conclusion of our age here, what are Christians, what should they be aware of and what should they be looking for? Well, I think as believers in Christ, I mean, you know, we want to be looking for the Lord to come back. I mean, certainly that's the hope that we have, and I, I think about that every day. You know, it's maybe the day the Lord comes back. You know, in the meantime, you know, the important thing for all of us to do is just to live our lives for the Lord. I mean, you know, it's, it's not, again, it's nothing fancy. Um, you know, go to church, uh, read your Bible, pray, use your spiritual gift have fellowship with other Christians, give, you know, just do those basic things over and over again in your life. And as we do those things, that's how we have a, a deep walk with the Lord. That's how we grow spiritually. You know, I just encourage those who are listening to, to just do those basic things. And when we do those, we'll, we'll find that the life of the Lord, I think, will be passionate. It'll be throbbing down inside of our heart and life. And we'll be ready if the Lord doesn't come in our lifetime to keep serving Him. And I think we'll be ready. We won't be ashamed if He comes. And, um, you know, if anyone's listening that doesn't know Christ, uh, they need to flee to him for refuge because there is a day coming when Jesus is coming back to judge this world. Now, you don't want to stand before the Lord Jesus um, in your own sin. 
And he came and died for our sins. He rose again from the dead. And we can have life and we can have forgiveness through trusting in him and believing in him as our Savior. And so anyone who's listening who doesn't know him, I'd say be sure whatever you do, take take the Lord Jesus to be your Savior. Fantastic words to end on. We've been talking with Dr. Mark Hitchcock, an expert in Bible prophecy and about his new book here, The Coming Apostasy, Exposing the Sabotage of Christianity from Within. So, Mark, if people want more information on you and your work, where can they go? Well, I've got a website, marklhitchcock.com. Also, uh, the church I pastor is called Faith Bible Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, um, edmondfaithbible.com. You can go to Edmond Faith Bible and get on our church website. You know, a lot of my sermons and, and various things, Bible studies and all those things are there. So those are a couple ways that uh, people can, you know, get in contact with us or just find out a little bit more about what I'm doing. Fantastic. Well, Mark, thanks for being with us. Thanks for being with us here in Hawaii and the Philippines, and we hope to have you in one of those places again real soon. Well, thank you. I'd love to do that, and God bless you and and your ministry as well. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, would you please consider partnering with us? Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll see we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including Pat's articles, additional audio, and Pat's books. So be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and of course your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Evidence and Answers.